Welcome to Beyond Bite Wings, the business side of dentistry, brought to you by Edwards & Associates PC. Join us as we discuss how to build your dental practice, optimize your income, and plan for your future. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Edwards & Associates PC is not rendering legal, accounting, or professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information that is shared. At Edwards & Associates PC, our business is the business of dentistry. For help or more information, visit our website at enassociates.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Bywings. In today's episode, we will be talking about some of the dental industry trends that are on the lips of pretty much all our clinical listeners out there. Within the studio, we have Robert. Good afternoon. And myself, Ash. So how are you doing today, Robert? Oh, well, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> it's after tax season, so Yay, feel I great. I know, I know. Yeah. And, the, and the weather, well... No, don't get too excited about that. <laughs> yeah, it's been. And a if little... you don't like it, wait thirty minutes. I mean, it's Texas, so that's true. That's true. That's true. That's the fun of it, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> the unpredictability. I'm all about the silver lining. If that's fun for you, you need to get out more. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. See, that's why I don't own a convertible. <laughs> Pointless. We can use a convertible about a week a year. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> Down and, here in yeah. Dallas. That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh. Okay. So, so what are you seeing as far as trends in dentistry? There's quite a few, honestly. I know we're in the year of 2023 and, you know, the past year, in fact, a couple of years, you know, it's been unique, very unique, yeah. right? And there's been no set pattern that can be analyzed to kind of forecast what may happen or come in the future. But Overall, I feel like at least the clients I have, they were very optimistic about 2023. And they still are. I mean, we're still, you know, in the early parts of 2023. And they're all excited about implementing new things or thinking of new ways to get back to that growth that they were so used to pre-pandemic. Okay, but let's let's get a more of a high altitude view of dentistry okay sure as far as i i i know where you're headed uh-huh and and i want to delve into that in more detail but uh-huh. if you're just looking at overall the general dental industry mm-hmm. you know and, and what trends do we really see there and i think you know you've got the ongoing staff shortages right the ongoing new graduates that are coming out of school with more debt than they've ever had before in fact i think the article that we read to, to prep for this session said the average was uh, three hundred and four thousand eight hundred and forty dollars it was the average student loan debt for a dental school graduate now that's true uh, so three hundred five thousand dollars amazing that it's that high uh, and the the trend toward corporate dentistry, I think that's sure. a big trend as well. And I think with the combination of corporate dentistry and all the student loan debt, I'm getting word in a lot of the people that I you know see across the table at lunch these days that are in the industry that there's fewer and fewer of the dental school graduates that are wanting to own a practice. You know, it, 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 and I remember in the old days where somebody would come up to me and say, hey, I don't really want to run this business. I just want to see patients. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of we're back to that now. And and big time, I think a lot of the people are, are, are not taking that first step of ownership 
They are just saying, hey, I don't want to own a practice. I just want to see patients. I don't want to have to worry about, you know, paying the bills and right. and, and filling the chairs and, right. and dealing with the insurance companies. I just want to see my patients go home at night and have a life. And they're willing to, to forego building their own business to be able to just, you know, have, their, uh, have more of a social life. Which makes sense. Yeah. And honestly, you know, I do understand where they're coming from. I mean, as you just mentioned, you know, with even the staff shortages, these people, we're talking about dentists, clinicians that are expert planners. I know every time they make a decision, they are doing their due diligence. They're researching, they're talking to their peers, they're reading all these articles. And as they're doing this, you know, they're seeing all these struggles that the current business owners are facing. And they're at a point where they're forced to ask themselves, okay, you know, whatever uh, way most dentists used to go about things last year or the year before, is that the right path yeah, going forward? And, and after you do all that, you know, is it worth it? That's also true. And, you know, I think when you go out there and you read about, you know, what these practices are doing, it, it, it's sort of... It's sort of negative mm-hmm. because you're 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 trying to fix a problem. You're trying to do something different to create a result. Oh, I see. You know, so that's the the positive part of that is that you're taking action, but the negative mm-hmm. part is that you need to mm-hmm. take action. You mm-hmm. need to make a change mm-hmm. because something's not going the way you want it. And a lot of these people are just saying, "Hey, the heck with that." You know, I'm done with this. I just want to see my patients go home at night. Don't have to make any follow-up calls. Right. I just show up in the morning. Somebody else puts the patients in my chair. You know, I do the work and go home at night. Right, right. That's true. That's true. So what other options would there be for, let's say, uh, someone who just graduated uh, dental school and it's been two years they've been doing an associateship? What should be their next step? Okay, now you're asking me that question. In your opinion, (laughs) in your opinion. I mean, we're also seeing some some of these changes. Well, I mean, in my opinion... uh, like I said, they could work for corporate dentistry, and I mm-hmm. think a lot of them are making, you know, good money. I mean, okay. two hundred thousand, two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. I think very few are really making four hundred or more, but you mm-hmm. know, two fifty to three hundred is not uncommon at all. Right, and that's great money. I mean, how many people make that? You're in the top one percenter, I guess, maybe a half percent if you're making that kind of income. So, what else should they do, or what should they do? In my opinion, well, I think I can still show you how it would be worth your while to start your own practice. Of course, you're not going to make that kind of money in the first two or three or four years. You mm-hmm. might in the fourth year. You might even in the third year, but you're not in the first or second year. Boy, uh-huh. you're growing it from scratch if you do it from scratch. But we've got so many clients that I have seen that have started practices from scratch that are doing a million dollars by their fifth year. Uh-huh. And then they're making you know 300 to 350 or so. In the future, when that practice grows further, they're going to make more. I mean, heck, we've got clients. I, I'm thinking of one guy that his practice is probably doing 1.7, 1.8, and he's taking home pretty close to a million. Mm, I see. You know, I can think of another one, a female dentist uh, down in Austin, that one of our clients that, again, I think she was collecting around $2 million and taking home about 950 Right. So that's a lot more than you can make in corporate dentistry, but mm-hmm. it's – it's it's the long term. It's not the short term. That's not going to happen in the first two or three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, and it may never happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a gamble. Right, right. I mean, that's the other thing. If you go with corporate dentistry and you're on salary, mm-hmm. it's less risk mm-hmm. because you're going to get a paycheck every two weeks or twice a month, and you're going to take the money home, put it in the bank. Hopefully, don't spend it all. <laughs> Uh, but it's pay a, towards but it's, that giant soon loan. Uh, exactly. But, you know, it's a sure thing. 
Right, 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 right. That's true. Right. But you know, I think opening up a practice of their own is still a little bit appealing. I think there's a fear factor there, which is probably preventing them from taking all the steps needed to make that happen. Because you, you, you can be your own boss. I think that idea is very appealing still to a lot of these students that are going to graduate dental school. I don't disagree with you, but unfortunately, I think one of the, what's the, not the, I hate to use the word problem. I think one of the challenges that a lot of our clients have is that they are their own boss. And so they're really not held accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a lot of clients that I don't think they ever really set goals until we sit down with them and say, hey, what's your goal for next year? And, and so we kind of make our clients accountable to us right. because they're not accountable to anyone else. And I think to create results, mm-hmm. to create better results, you have to be accountable to somebody. Good point. Yeah. And so we sort of function in, in that mode. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of doctors that become their own boss, it's like, well, you know, I'm my own boss. I can do whatever I want to now. Right, so right. if I don't want to deal with that, I don't have to. Right. Unfortunately, if they don't deal with Maybe what staff issue if they don't right. deal with it, what's going to happen? All of a sudden, you look at your staff and mm-hmm. it seems like the inmates are running the asylum, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, it's true. You got to be a leader, right? And again, that goes back to the frustration. A lot of the doctors uh, they want to have their own business. They never really thought about or were trained in leadership. I see. And so those are things they've got to focus on. Not clinical. I mean, they know uh-huh. the clinical stuff. They're trained on that. Not quite 24 hours a day, but they probably think they are when they're in dental school. But, you know, they get significant training in the clinical side. Uh They get almost zero training, maybe actually zero training on the uh, business side. I do agree. And that's actually something I almost always ask. And that leads to probably 99% of the challenges in a practice. I see. Is the lack of business training. So you're saying to avoid all of that, they could just not open their practice go into corporate dentistry. And that's why we're talking about yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the reason a lot of them are doing that is just to uh, to have a better, in their minds, to have a, a, a less stressful lifestyle. Right. Now, you mentioned staffing shortages also being a concern or a trend of 2023. So what's happening? Just Well, you know, you're better to answer that than I am because <laughs> when I talk to you in some of our weekly meetings, you know, you, uh-huh. you, you have, you're closer to some of the clients that are, uh, that have given you some ideas that were really uh, informative to me. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think what I know from talking to my clients is that some of them are, are experiencing a little bit less of a problem than they did a year ago. I would agree with but that. But it's still yes. a problem. Yes. But mm-hmm. also, I know you had some ideas uh, where some people could do some, some advertising to actually find people and that's ways true. to do that. And I, I think that's more important now than it's ever been. I mean, you can't just throw an ad out there and all of a sudden you get 10 resumes and I've got the pick of the litter. That doesn't happen anymore. You know, you may throw an ad out there and get nothing but crickets. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to figure out, hmm, what do I do next? Right, right. Or are you automatically assuming that there are no workers out there? And that's not, obviously, that's not right. There are people out there looking mm -hmm. for work. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are fewer of them and they're less willing to work for what they would have worked for two years ago. But that is true. I mean, uh, the media did us no favors when in the last two years when they've talked about inflation. I think it's blown out of proportion, but it has Mm -hmm. definitely increased. I mean, for what, almost 30 years, inflation averaged about 2%. Right. And now all of a sudden it's, you know, what, nine and a half percent a couple months last year. And, but now it's back down to what, maybe six, six five and a half percent yeah. on an annual basis. But that's still almost triple 
what it has been for the last 30 years. So I'm not denying that it's an issue. And in in dentistry, it's a huge issue, especially if you're looking at, let's say, Hygienist wages. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> Everybody's favorite topic. <laughs> oh, my and goodness. And on top of that, a lot of hygienists left the industry during COVID. That's also true. Yeah, the great resignation. Yeah. That occurred. Yeah, I mean, the term. That and a lot of those haven't come back and won't come back. That's true. So, you know, it, it, it's created shortages, but mm-hmm. now we're a couple of cycles beyond that. And the hygiene schools are still turning sure. out people. And sure. so maybe sure. the supply is is improving. Mm. Uh, but wages are not really flexible downward. You know, when you have an increase in wages, don't expect that to, uh, once you, you have a bunch of new graduates, don't mm-hmm. expect that to come back down. Because everybody right. says, oh, well, you know, I know 10 people that are making, you know, $50 an hour. So right. why would I accept 45 Right, right, right. And that's in Texas. Yeah. It's much higher in yeah. other states. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. A client of ours in Denver, I know, is paying, I think, $75. Yeah. yeah. Hygienist, yeah, yeah. I think up in uh, Seattle they're making ninety. Yeah, you know, so, so it, it, it's insane. It is insane. I mean, people are saying, "Well, how can you make money?" Right, paying right. hygienists that right, salary. Right, well, right. you know, they've got to be productive. Right, that's true. The hygienists, there is actually a shortage of them. You know, aside from them asking for money and a lot of them actually quitting that profession altogether, there's actually a shortage. But even in the other areas, when we're talking about dental assistants or front desk people, you know. Uh, their numbers are much higher in comparison to dentists. However, it's not just the rising costs that's causing them to leave, saying that, oh, I'm not making enough where I can you know, uh, afford my living. A lot of them are actually getting poached. So what's happening is that because everybody's currently talking about the staffing shortage, there's a fear in all the business owners. So what, anytime a business owner notices that's, that there's some drama and something may happen, they proactively start looking for filling up those positions and other practices, competing practices. Well, and let me tell you, too, a, a word of advice for all the business owners, all mm-hmm. the dental uh, practice owners yes. out there. It's way less expensive to pay more to your current employees. Right. Even if you think it's a bad move, it's way better for your practice to keep the same employee. That means there's some consistency there and pay them more rather than hiring somebody that you don't know what their talents are and then having to train them. I agree. So think about that. You know, if you've got someone that threatens to leave or someone that is is uh, giving you notice even, right. you know, don't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. You know, ask them, hey, you know, if I match that offer, would you stay here? Because you already know the people here. You're familiar with the patients. You know? I agree. Yeah. And you actually raised a good point because I actually had a conversation just yesterday with a client about conversion rates. He had two front desk people that are quitting altogether. He said, they're not just leaving. They did put in the two weeks notice, but of course, after putting in their notice, they kind of stopped working or paying too much they attention. They checked out. They kind of checked yep. out, exactly. Yep. Now, this client is used to almost 100% conversion rate month to month, and this client relies a lot on like bigger cases. A huge chunk of his collections come from there. So all of a sudden, he started seeing a drop and he was very focused on the clinical part, but you know the drop was so significant that he had to look into it. Like, and he what's laid, going on? What's going on? Yeah. And he looked into it, and he was like, "Okay, I'm I'm confused because I thought we have at least five lined up, you know, which was supposed to bring closer in the range of six figures, but all of a sudden now they weren't converted. Yeah, there's a small window there where you have to do this conversion, 
And that window was not utilized by the people that typically do this. Communications and follow-up. Exactly. Now, what happened was when this, when the two people that were in his front desk area that told him that we're going to quit, he did ask them, what can I do for you to stay? So apparently they asked for a raise to him that sounded preposterous. But he wasn't actually aware what these people were doing to help with his collections. Okay. He just thought, oh, they're just, you know, doing whatever they were trained. Mm-hmm. He had no idea that one of those front desk people who's been with him for some time, I think almost two years, okay. has created a personal rapport with all of these people. And some of these people that were coming in with the big cases were through word of mouth from her. Yeah. So her leaving, it's not like she's taking them with her somewhere. Well, I started to say, I hope she's moving out of the area. <laughs> no, no, she is. She's not. So apparently it wasn't under bad terms that they're ending that relationship, that professional relationship. But he was just upset. He was like, I wish I knew that because then I could have said yes to that race. Right. I didn't realize what I was losing until it was too late. Yeah. So that was the thing. So again, going back to that. So importance of exit interviews and actually kind of assessing what that employee's worth and kind of figuring out what they're asking for and see if it's something that can be at least met, matched. So I think the, the moral of that story there is, uh-huh. is basically, um, I don't know, take your staff to lunch once a week or something or, or sit down and talk to mm-hmm. them after hours for, mm-hmm. I don't know, 15 minutes, find out what's going on in their life, mm-hmm. establish a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, that's true. Uh, communicate. Uh, like I said, be a leader, find out what's going mm-hmm. on in your staff's lives mm-hmm. and show some interest. That's true. They're, more, that likely to, they're more likely to stick around longer. Yeah. And you yeah. need that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Let's talk a little bit about corporate dentistry. You know, that's yes. a huge trend. Everybody knows it is. I mean, mm-hmm. I get calls. Okay, not every day, maybe three times, four times a week. You know, hey, so-and-so DSO called me and or sent me an email, wants to meet with me. What do I do? You know, <laughs> I don't know. What do you want to do? Uh-huh. Well, you know, I think I want $4 million for my practice. Well, wait a minute. You're only producing a million. <laughs> <laughs> and that's sort of the game plan, you know. Right. And, 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 and I, I've developed a spreadsheet where I can sit down and, and take the LOI that that a client receives from a any DSO, uh-huh. we can plug the numbers in. I can show them what it would look like if they continue to own and operate the practice for the next five or seven years, uh-huh. as opposed to what it would look like if they uh, sold the practice to the DSO. And uh, in almost every case, there's a dramatic difference in the doctor's compensation. Mm. Even after taking into consideration some of the uh, rollover equity and the cash you would receive up front from the um, the DSO mm-hmm. for the practice. Uh, so you got to take all that into consideration. And basically, long story short is, I think some of the doctors that are older, mm-hmm. it makes more sense mm-hmm. to sell to the DSO than it does the younger doctors. Because the older ones, maybe they're only going to work five more years. I see. The younger ones, let's say they're going to work 15 more years, mm-hmm. then they would make way more by continuing to own and operate. I see. Rather than the older ones that are close anyway. I see. And you can't just sell to a DSO and walk away. Right. You know, most of the DSOs have a lot of strings attached to the, some of those numbers. They have a lot of deferred compensation that you don't get if you don't hit certain goals or if you don't continue to work there for a certain mm-hmm. period of time. Mm-hmm. So we take all that into consideration. I show them best case, worst case, and it almost always comes out you know, better if you continue to own and operate versus sell until you get to be somewhere in your 50s. I see, I see. Now, what do you think is the big motivator? Why do you think this is such a trend? 
money. Money. I mean, it's the big dollars. I, I wasn't kidding. Well, a little bit. I was <laughs> exaggerated a little bit. Um, you probably wouldn't get $4 million for practices producing one. <laughs> All right. But I have seen some offers that were close to $4 million for practices producing less than two. I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, it's not based on collections like your traditional model of a dental practice transition. It, it's based more on EBITDA. And EBITDA is what I call adjusted net income. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a multiple of that. And multiples have gone up. I mean, I think uh, four or five years ago, the average multiple was three, three and a half. And today it's more like five and a half. Wow. And I think they'll probably go up a little more before they don't. Yeah. And I can understand how this might be all lucrative and how it sounds amazing to an older dentist. But what about the younger dentist? You said sometimes it doesn't make sense for them to sell to a DSO. Well, what they see is the dollars they're going to get when they sell it Mm -hmm. and the opportunity to get additional dollars when the DSO has another equity event. Now, there are so many DSOs that have promised equity events in the future. Mm -hmm. There's not enough equity in the United States to fill all those obligations. And some of those, think of musical chairs, the game of musical chairs. Some of those dentists that sold to DSOs are going to get left without a chair. In other words, the rollover equity is going to be worthless, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just a fact of life. The numbers just don't work. Yeah. Now, so, th- that doesn't mean they shouldn't sell to a DSO. They're, they're- that's right. It doesn't. And some of the DSOs are negotiable. I happened to have uh, sold one of our clients' practice to a DSO earlier this year, and we were able to uh, minimize the, the rollover equity. I think we just left 100000 uh, because they required it. We completely eliminated all the deferred payments. We got all the money discounted and, and given up front. And then we negotiated an employment contract for my client. And it was a younger client, mm. but she had other concerns like a young family that's now getting to school age and she wanted to spend more time with them. Mm-hmm. And she's going to continue to work in this practice, but mm-hmm. she wants to cut down from four days to two or three. Mm-hmm. And they'll bring in an, another doctor. That's the advantage of the DSO as support. They'll bring in a, a second doctor to pick up the slack. And she's going to get paid a percentage mm-hmm. of production. So for her, it wasn't mm-hmm. so much the compensation issue. She had other lifestyle concerns. I and see. for people like that, it makes sense. It right, just, right. you have to analyze each individual situation I see. individually. I see, I see. Sure. So it's not so much like the age, it's more the lifeline of that profession. So if they feel like they are closer towards the end, let's say they want to focus more on family and actually quit altogether, or even from an age standpoint, like, you know, I'd rather go golfing or fishing. At that age. <laughs> That's when they should, in your opinion, start considering selling to a DSO. Well, and, and you know, I laughed when you said that, but I, I laughed because I'm thinking of a, a different client we had that uh, when he sold to the DSO, uh-huh. he wanted to take off a certain number of weeks a year. I can't remember. It was some ungodly amount, like, <laughs> I don't know, 10 or 12 weeks a year. Oh, goodness. And, and you know, we were able to to accomplish that. Wow. You know, okay. we, were, we were able to negotiate that because that was his concern. It was a lifestyle issue. He wanted more time off. And he said, I own this practice. I'm tethered to it. I can't I get see. away from it. Okay. So let's, you know, sell and make it where they are going to give you this time off because they can bring in another doctor to cover for you. That's right. fine. It worked. It right. worked great. Right. Right. So it is an, a, a case-by-case basis. I Sometimes agree. it makes sense to, mm-hmm. to sell earlier if it's a lifestyle issue. Mm-hmm. If it's a financial issue, then, you know, once you're in your mid to late 50s, it makes more sense at that point than when you're in your early 40s. I agree. Yes. And speaking of work-life balance, I feel like that 
is also a trend, at least with the people that I'm talking to. You know, I remember before I would ask them about their five-year plan or their 10-year plan. I'm like, where do you see yourself? And they would always talk numbers with me. It wasn't until the pandemic when they started saying, figure out a way so I can spend more time with my daughter. <laughs> oh, whoa, this is a new request. Yeah. That's the yeah. planning I need from you. Well, I think I think uh, people, uh, you know, dropped back and took stock of life, and mm. and a lot of people's priorities changed. Right, right. During the pandemic. Right, right. And and I, I agree with you. Yeah. On, on that, you know, yeah. people reexamined their lives and reestablished priorities right. and decided they're going to mm. live their lives differently now. And, yeah. and you know, yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah, Things I that have so. come out of the pandemic have been, for the most part, you know, good. Yeah. Now let's talk about you know. Other kinds of trends that can actually help boost the money, you know, the big dollar sign, you know, aside from just selling, but things that they can do. Sometimes, you know, these are things that probably even heard over the radio or on another podcast or even on an article, but they're scared to even go further or dive into it. Well, one of them. And the big one is going out of network. Yes, there we go. When I mentioned that to a client, you know, the first words out of their mouth, oh, I can't do that. I'll lose my patience. Uh, you know, but there's a right way to do it, and it's not overnight. It takes a couple of years at the least uh, mm-hmm. to do it right and to maintain your your patient base. Mm-hmm. And there are people out there that have worked with AADOM, ADOM, mm-hmm. in uh, creating scripts for the front desk people, teaching them how to speak to the existing patients uh, that are on insurance and let them know what you're doing and, and Tell them to do it in a way where they don't leave the practice. And we have some clients that have done that very, very successfully. Right. So I know it can be done. Right. Now, the other aspect to this, and this is something I've heard from a client, is they actually believe by being at network, it helps with their marketing. Well, theoretically, Mm -hmm. it's going to give you patients uh, from that network. Right. But, you know, the dentist across the street and the one around the corner and the one down the block are probably in that same network. Yeah. So are you getting, you know, your 25% share of that market? I, you know, I doubt it. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. doubt it. Mm-hmm. Because uh, unless you're the only one in your zip code or in your, right. you know, five block radius that's right. in that or three mile radius that's uh-huh. that's in that network, then you can't be guaranteed that they're going to come to you as opposed to the next guy on the list. Right, right, right. And right now, one of the big trends in dentistry is convenience. And so they're going to go to, you know, whoever's closest or most convenient. And it may not be whoever's closest. It may be who has the hours that they want to see. Right. You know, if you're open, what, eight to five, and somebody else is open, let's say, seven to three, two days a week, and then three to seven, two other days, they're going to go to that person that's open three to seven and probably take the late appointment. Right. That's true. Yeah. Or even if they're open one day during the weekend. On a Saturday, maybe you do hygiene work on Saturdays. Yeah, I think we just lost a lot of listeners there. <laughs> but you are right. And, uh-huh. and uh, you know, those examples I gave, uh-huh. you know, eight to five and, and three to seven and yeah. seven to three, yeah. the clients of ours are doing that. So I know that works. And I know right. I've seen some try weekends. And right. the complaint I get about weekends is, you know, if the weather is nice, people right. cancel without right. calling. Right. 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 But also, you can fill the chairs right. on the weekend uh, mm-hmm. because that's when people would like to. Uh, that's when people have the time available, and and would come in. Some of them would come in. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah, and it's not just in those areas. There are other ways they can make it more convenient to the patient, utilizing the technology that's out there. Okay. Yeah. So 
take that and run uh, with it. <laughs> no, 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 I will. Yeah, because I, I was thinking, and I know we covered a little bit of this in our previous episodes, but I feel like it should be mentioned again because there's value there. Automation, utilizing some of the tools that are available in the existing software that's being used by a lot of our clients. Because most of the software out there is very underutilized. I agree. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I agree yes. with what you're saying. Yes. So, you know, sometimes just making that one phone call to find out exactly what you're getting in that software package can go a long way. You'd be surprised. I'm sure sometimes you may have seen a peer like doing certain things, like being able to set up an online portfolio where they can set up, schedule their own, you know, time of when they're going to go see the dentist without having to pick up the phone and talk to someone, you know, and you have to understand another thing about us in general, you know, we're used to now doing things round the clock. And, we, that, and that goes back to convenience, yeah, you know, being yeah. able to schedule your appointments online, you know, exactly. and, and the hours and everything else. Yeah, and, at any time. Yeah. And then, like you said, the technology, Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, artificial intelligence is making an entry into the dental market That's also true. as well. That's also true. Yeah, yeah. So, like, for instance, the, the dentist I go to, that dentistry may be closed after 6 p.m., but... I'm probably not going to get time till after 6 p.m. to look at my calendar and figure out when I should schedule it. And I'm probably wanting to do it right then and there. Again, a fault of our generation, instant gratification, right? We need to do it right then and there. But if you don't have an online portfolio where I can go and see the availability, I'm not going to be able to do that right then and there. I may have to wait the next day during business hours and I have to remember that and then call and schedule a lot of work. Instead, what I may do I may just look for another dentist who has that portal. Yeah. Online search without having to even pick up the phone. Yeah, because if you're like me and I have to remember to do it tomorrow, then either I email someone to do it for me tomorrow <laughs> or a couple of days later, I remember that I was going to do it, which is now yesterday. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, oh, like, you do, like you said, it, it uh -huh. does take longer. Mm -hmm. to get it done because you just get busy and you forget, you know, some of these things that you were going to do. Right. You know? Right. I agree. Uh, and one of the other things, you know, we talked about an online portal. We talked about extended office hours. We talked mm -hmm. about allowing the patients to pay online or schedule appointments online, but also offering additional services in your practice to give the patients an all-in-one all, one, all in one shop to yes. do whatever they need done. And a lot of the doctors are offering, uh, you know, Botox injections or fillers mm -hmm. uh, or mm -hmm. some other things like that. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Now, I think, you know, I've had some clients that talk to me about the ethics of doing that. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think that's an issue. I mean, I don't, I shouldn't say I don't think it's an issue. It's not a legal issue. There are so many people doing it now and there just hasn't been any legal precedents against it. So um, if you're not on board, I think that's certainly a easy way to generate uh, some pretty significant additional revenue. I agree. And again, I'm not an attorney, so I can't speak for the legal side. Maybe consulting with an attorney might be- Thank you for that. <laughs> the best route. <laughs> However, in my opinion, you know, if you're getting the training and if you're taking the CE classes, if the equipment that's being placed for the aesthetics uh, the Botox that can be done as the additional service. I feel like you're doing your due diligence to avoid having or feeling like you're doing something unethical. Yeah. You know? I agree. And and I think the doctors, uh, I mean, they have the training mm -hmm. to do the injections. Right. I know they feel like, I know I had some comments from clients that, that felt like, hey, that needs to be a medical doctor. Uh -huh. Well, no, it, it really doesn't. I mean, you're authorized, as a dentist, you're authorized to do yes, that. Yes, now, I know yes. there's certain parameters uh, right. but 
I think those are covered. Certainly, right. take a continuing education course on it and right, find out exactly. more. Mm -hmm. That's the best advice I can give you. I agree. And especially if your practice is in a place which is crowded with a lot of dentists, you know, maybe diversifying some of these uh, services that you offer can actually help you with increasing your collections. Well, yeah, because it differentiates you from some of your competition down the street. Right, and, right. And, and, and let's say you're in Frisco. <laughs> you yes. need that. Yeah. There yeah, are too yeah. many dentists in Frisco. I'm oh, sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Fact of life. Oh, goodness. But yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely there. Or even if you're in a small town, but you've been there for so long that everybody knows you, you're like, am I even going to get a new patient here anymore? Well, if you're in a small town and, and you know, you're the only dentist there, then how are you going to grow your practice, right? right. So you've got to offer additional services. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. So I'm all for it, honestly. This trend, when I first heard of it, I'm like, wow, this is really thinking outside the box. Botoxes, sleep apnea treatment. And then, uh, what is that? Tongue tie surgeries. And oh, then jaw. Um, the lock jaw. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then I'm like amazed. I think the other day somebody came to me and they were thinking of doing med spa. The whole idea was like a ghost kitchen off operation. I'm like, what? <laughs> so you're going to have an LLC within that LLC, but it's going to offer. I'm like, this is amazing. And I, it just amazes me some, some of these times when, I, when I'm talking to my clients and they're, they've probably heard of it somewhere and they're sharing it with well, me. Most of them have heard it somewhere. Right. And then right. they bring it to us because right. in my experience, uh -huh. a lot of those somewheres uh -huh. that they've heard things are really not the best places to get information. <laughs> you know, I could I could go on from there, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Some of them could be even, you know, the TikTok or, you know, a closed group on Facebook where you don't necessarily only have dentists. You definitely don't only have dentists. <laughs> you have people pretending. Right. Oh, goodness. But it is a trend to at least consider, to look into it, to see if it'll work. There's plenty of people. I know if you are thinking of buying an equipment for that additional service you're going to provide, the vendor is very knowledgeable about it. There was one, I think, uh, facial aesthetic equipment salesperson who sent a lot of stats on, uh, you know, what they should expect the first couple of months, how to even market this with their existing website, with their existing tools, and how what they can expect realistically by buying that equipment and utilizing it for those additional services that they're going to provide. You know, another thing you could do, and you, you talked about it before we actually started the podcast today, and that's teledentistry. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you asked me how many of the clients that I work with are doing teledentistry, and I don't know that any of them are. Yeah, honestly, I, I don't know of any of my clients, or they haven't at least mentioned it to me. So it makes sense. Honestly, I've utilized the teledoc option a lot. Uh, and it's worked uh, amazingly well, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't have much hope for it. I thought, oh, I'll just call and ask this question. And I thought, oh, that was a good answer. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's just what I wanted to hear. I don't know. <laughs> it worked for me. <laughs> right. But, you know, even, even the cell phones that we use, I, I had no idea that the cell phone can be used to, like, scan a lot of things. And then they can, like, create this, like, digital augmented... Uh, image where they can, you know, rotate that image and show me, okay, is this what you're feeling or is this that yeah. inflammation? Yeah. Yeah. It's It just teleports right there. Yeah. You know, in real time. And it's amazing. I'm like, oh, I don't even have to drive or dress up to go there. And, and another thing people can start doing in their practice to create a better patient experience is using 3D printer. 
That's true. 3D printers are becoming more and more popular. Yeah. And a lot of people are using those for other than crowns. They're using right. those for sometimes to you know, do fillings. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, to design uh, the filling. Why wouldn't you? I mean, think about it. It's cost effective. Again, convenience. Right. Right there. Right. Less wait time. The lead time is like almost none. Right. Because you're doing it in-house. Right. And they're fairly inexpensive because there are tons of manufacturers out there now that make 3D printers. And the technology is only getting better. I agree. Yep. I agree with that. So, definitely. I mean, I would say that's a no-brainer. But, you know, on, on that note, let's also talk about, since we are talking about 3D printers and equipment, there are some other pretty nifty equipments that are out there that can help with the diagnosis, with the treatment. I feel like because you're getting a clearer image, more of a 4D rendition, you can, even even the clinician can see things better and make more recommendations in that treatment plan. Now, these equipment pieces can be quite expensive, but from what I've heard, at least from my clients, it has paid off. Okay. Did you also mention uh, green dentistry? No, I didn't. So what is that? <laughs> Before we started uh, our podcast, you mentioned it uh, as far as going green in dentistry. That is true. Yeah. That is true. I did mention that. So the reason why I mentioned it was because honestly, you know, when I hear go green, I think of those auto prompts I get from my bank accounts like, hey, do you, do you approve so we don't have to mail you your bank statements and you can download it yourself. And I honestly thought, oh, what what is green dentistry like are they not going to print paper anymore is that what it is well no here's some examples like reducing or eliminating the, the use of aerosols in your practice there or designing go. your practice layout to maximize natural light and mm -hmm. ventilation mm -hmm. uh, using natural cleaning products in the office uh, using eco-friendly sterilization products there we go yeah so those are all things you can do to create a, a more um, patient-friendly practice yeah yeah i agree yes and honestly as i'm picturing this I mean, you're saying it and I'm picturing, I'm like, you know what? I would like to be a patient in a practice like that. Natural light, more windows. I can see people are being more environmentally conscious. It will make me feel good in a way. Well, and when you're talking about creating a better patient experience, mm -hmm. you know, if you haven't updated your office in a few years, yeah. you know, go sit in your reception area. Just sit there and look around mm -hmm. like you were a patient and you'll see things differently. You know, I did that in our office probably, I don't know, 10 years ago. I, mm -hmm. I went and sat down. I looked around and I made some changes Okay, because it's just a different perspective. So as the doctor, go sit in your reception area, look around, yeah. picture yourself as a patient or picture yourself yeah, as a patient of the practice. And, and what would you rather see than rather than what's there? You know, mm -hmm. make some changes. That, that's really easy to do. And I know patients like to see the latest and greatest. They like to see, you know, a, a bright um Active office, uh, you know, bright. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I said mm -hmm. that already, but bright, uh, either with light or mm -hmm. with colors. Mm -hmm. And they just like to see updated uh, uh, decor mm -hmm. as well as uh, machines. Yeah. So more like contemporary decor as opposed to, you know, traditional. Yeah. 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 You know, I think in, in the old days, everything was earth tones. Okay. Right. Don't do that today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. The browns and the grays are mm -hmm. kind of out, mm -hmm. you know, uh, put in some bright colors. Yeah. Or maybe even get the help of an interior designer. Uh, that's an even better suggestion. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. sometimes what we don't know, we don't know. Right. 
True. Like I like earthly colors. <laughs> you know, if somebody tells me, hey, how are well, you into decorating? Because you're a guy. <laughs> Could be. Could be. I'm like, I like that. But somebody may tell me, no, you don't want to use those colors. You want to use more green because it's easier on the eyes. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I would have never thought of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, you know, quite a few things. And honestly, you know, when we were doing our research, there's actually quite a few of them. Um, to me, that suggests people are eager to make these changes. They're thinking about these changes. They're willing to think outside of the box. And um, it's just about enacting them at this yes. point. Yeah. Right? Like, I agree. Just and it's not, it's not expensive uh, for the most part. Mm -hmm. And it's not difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, make some changes that'll make a change in your patient's experience. And, and if you're not using patient communication software, oh my gosh, it, it's way past time. I you agree. Know, go get something. Because one of the main complaints of patients these days is l lack of appointment reminders. Mm -hmm. And when I read that, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Because I know my dentist sends me uh, an appointment reminder two weeks out and a week out and three days out. And they send me a text. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it's great. I look at it. Say, okay, I delete it. Or, mm -hmm. and, or, <laughs> and then you can confirm. Easy. You just put yes and you're, you're confirmed. Yeah. I get actually three, text, email, and a voicemail. But when I actually listen to the voicemail, I can tell it's automated. Okay. So they're definitely using a software to okay, do good. that, to send those good. out. Yeah. So that's good. No, great tips, Robert. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. So for all our listeners out there, if you guys have any questions, queries, or if you guys would like to add uh, more to what we just said, feel free to reach us at info at eandassociates.com. And that's and spelled out. It's always a pleasure being here. So thank you. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to Beyond by Wings on your favorite podcast platform. For more information, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Or reach out to us on our website. You can also shoot us an email at info at eandassociates.com. Thank you.